Brothers and sisters, I just want to close with this exhortation. I believe God wants to use each one of us uniquely. You know, sometimes we think about the calling of God, you just think it's about like to be doing what I or Pastor Bill do. God's called all of us to a ministry. We are all the body. Imagine what Moses accomplished during his lifetime. If you know anything about the man, you know that through a series of supernatural events, he led God's people out of Egypt. That's an intimidating testimony. But it wasn't Moses at all. It was God. Moses felt just as inadequate as we do when God calls us to something. Pastor Daniel will tell us how we could step out in faith. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study entitled, The Calling and Excuses of Moses. talk about this again next week you got a follow-up conversation i mean that's a net win that's a net win and in the week before you meet him again you get to grow and learn so so many of us do not step out to do what god's called us to because we're like lord i don't know you well enough and most like if they ask me who you are what do i say notice it's the if questions the what ifs it's amazing when you read the narrative, they never once asked Moses who the God who sent them was. Not one time. And doesn't the what if kill us? The what if could happens. I mean, God wants us to step out in faith and we run through this, just a litany of could happens, what ifs. And by, by the time you're done, you're freaked out. You don't even know if you're saved, right? Because it's like, what if, what if, what if? And before you know it, we're all frazzled. But the what-ifs almost never happen. It's just our way of getting off the hook to being the people that God has called us to be. It's just an excuse. Who are you, Lord? They never ask him the question. And notice how God responds. Verse 14, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. There it is right there. You know what's amazing when you ask God who he is? He tells you. That's the beauty of God. When you say, God, I want to know you, he says, okay. Okay. Who am I going to say? He says, look, I am who I am. In the Hebrew, echye asher echye. I am who I am. This speaks of Power, presence, and faithfulness. It's beautiful. It's literally just the first person singular of the verb to be and the relative pronoun of who. That's all it is. Notice, I am who I am. It's an active verb. It's not passive. And it speaks of God's action in the midst of this. In the Hebrew, 
It's normally characterized by what they call the tetragrammaton. It's four Hebrew letters put together. Uh, a yud, which is a y, a he, which is an h, a vav, which is a v, but we normally use it as a w, and then uh, a he again. It's the h. So y, h, w, h, or v, h. Now, what's interesting is because of the third commandment, to not take the Lord's name in vain, the Jewish people never really said his name. So they would say Hashem, which is literally the name, because they didn't want to take his name in vain. So historically, it originally came down to us as the word Jehovah, which is actually taking those four Hebrew letters and using the vowel pointings of the word Adonai, which is the Hebrew word for Lord. So if we're a servant, he's the master. So he took the, the consonants of I am who I am, and put the vowel pointings of the word Lord, you get Jehovah, which is where your King James Bible gets it from. But most scholars would say now that the proper translation would be Yahweh. And so anytime in your Bible, your English Bible, you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's the personal name of God, the I am who I am. And when God says I am who I am, you know what that means? He is who he is. That's what it means, that God is God. God is not what we make him. God is not what we say, hey, I like this part of God. No, God is who God is. One commentator said it this way, I am truly he who exists and who will be dynamically present then and there in the situation to which I am sending you. That's a great amplification of I am who I am. I am truly he who exists and who will be dynamically present then and there in the situation to which I am sending you. And that's true for Moses, and that is true for us as well. And don't miss, if you're a critical or a thoughtful Bible reader, when you read the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John is different from every other Gospel, because the Gospel of John is centered around seven I am statements of Jesus that are precipitated by a miracle, an I am statement, and then Jesus' discourse on it. That's how the Gospel of John is broken down. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, before Abraham was, I am. I am the door of the sheep. I am the vine. All those I am statements, in that context, they're like, oh, oh, you, I know what you're saying. You're saying, I'm the, the, you're the I am. Oh, Okay. When we need to know God, God reveals himself to us. So he says, this is who I am. And then it goes on to say, notice what it says here in verse 15. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac and of Jacob appeared to me saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel for the king of Egypt and you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, 
not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt and all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. So notice, he says, I want you to go talk to the elders, tell them what is happening, tell them that it's time for them to leave Egypt, I'm going to deliver them. And it's amazing, because really this is a prophecy of all that's going to happen in the next bunch of chapters in the book of Exodus. He asked the, the king of Egypt that the people would go, he says no, God brings plagues upon him, until finally he goes, and ultimately in the end, the children of Israel plunder the Egyptians. Not because they stole it all, but they actually gave it to them. So really here at this second, it's just, who are you? God gives them the whole story. This is everything that's going to happen. This is the way it's going to go. But Moses is not content yet. As we move into chapter 4, look at the, fourth, the third excuse. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me. Or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Ah, this is a big one. Here's your excuse number three. This is the fear of rejection by others. What if nobody believes me? How many of us make that excuse? What if nobody believes? What if I feel this calling and everyone says, no, 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 no. You must be eating too much of those Doritos at night. So, no, it's the first one, who am I? Second excuse, who are you? Now it's, what if nobody believes me, God? Look at how the Lord answers him. Look what happens in verse 2. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out by his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Verse 6. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, Now put your hand in your bosom. So he put his hand in his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, Put your hand in your bosom again. And so he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom, and behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Verse 8. Then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. Verse 9, and it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it on the dry land, the water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. So Moses is fearful that others will reject him. So God gives him three signs. First, his walking stick, his rod, when he throws it on the ground, will become a serpent. When he picks it up again, it will become a rod again. If that doesn't work, take your hand and put it in your bosom. And what that means, I mean, when we read it, that makes no sense to us. But he was probably wearing some sort of a cloak. And so put your hand inside your cloak on your bosom, on your chest. When you take it out, you'll have a leprous hand. It'll be full of sores. And you put it back in and it's healed. And if that doesn't work, then I want you to go and I want you to take 
the Nile River water, and you pour on the ground, it's going to turn to blood. Now, you know what's amazing about this? He never has to do any of these things, except for the plague that God brings upon Egypt of the Nile River turning to blood. You never once see Moses in front of the children of Israel turning his rod into a serpent. You never see him showing off his funky leprous hand. You know, he doesn't do it. It never happens. Why? Because oftentimes our fear of rejection of people is totally irrational. Because when God calls somebody and God empowers somebody, nobody can deny it. Even the naysayers who want to say, no, 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 no. They're still like, oh, I'm saying no because I just like to say no. It never happens. And so if you're in here today and you're resisting the calling of God on your life, because like, what if everyone rejects me? It's irrational. God's got this. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Now, Moses isn't done yet. He's trying to get off the hook. He's working hard. Who am I? Who are you? What if I get rejected by everybody? God's like, listen, I got signs for you. No worries. Look at verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Notice this one. This is the fear of not being talented enough. This is I am not gifted. See, Moses can't get off the hook. What if they reject me? And God's like, look, I got signs for you. And now he's like, well, but God, I, I'm just not a good speaker. I'm not eloquent. I've never been eloquent. I'm slow of tongue. It just, it doesn't work for me. I'm not like Pastor Bill with the, with the golden tongue of Scripture. You know? Not liking it. And how many of us God has called, and we're saying, God, I'm not equipped for this. I'm not gifted. I don't have the skills for this. You know what I've heard? God does not call the trained, but God trains the called. You will not find one time in the life of Moses a problem where he has a problem with words. Not one time. It's amazing. He's freaked out. Some people said Moses maybe had a stutter or something. All I know is that God... Actually, I'm going to quote a commentator named Sarna. He said it this way. Prophetic eloquence is not a matter of native talent, but of revelation that derives from the supreme source of truth that is external to the speaker. Prophetic eloquence is a divine gift bestowed for the purpose of him who is elected, often against his will, to be the messenger of God. And what that means is that if God wants to use you and you do not feel like you're gifted, God will give you the gifting you need in the moment to do what he's asked of you to do. And in his weakness, in our weakness, God's power is made perfect. And God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. When God wanted to deliver the children of Israel, he didn't find the greatest orator amongst the children of Israel in Egypt. He went to a guy who didn't even want to speak in public. Why? That no flesh would glory in his presence. If God sends the most gifted person, they might say, yeah, it's because of me. I'm so smart. I'm so good looking. I'm so talented. But when someone's like, look, I ain't got nothing going for me, then God gets all the glory. So if you're in here today and you're like, look, I don't got a whole lot going on, brother, sister, you are a prime candidate to be used by God. And if you're in here today thinking that you are, you know, God's gift to creation, 
then you think God's always using you, but nobody else knows. Because God can't use you. Because if you think you're so great and God uses you, then you'll just praise yourself. Ah, I'm so good, so talented. I mean, of course they listen to me. I'm beautiful. That's not the heart of God. When God uses us, we say, man, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, I always tell people, I'm like, if God can speak through Balaam's donkey, he can use any of us. And if I was using the King James, I could use an expletive in there because that's what the King James says, but I'm, I'll spare you. But if God can use Balaam's donkey, he can use you, brother, sister. He can use me. That's kind of cool, isn't it? God spoke to a prophet through Balaam's donkey. That's awesome. God can use you. He wants to use you. Fear of not being talented enough. Now, notice how the Lord responds to this. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. God's like, look, didn't I create all this stuff? Don't you think I got this? I'll be with your mouth. Don't even worry about your lack of giftedness. I have you. And I'm going to close. This is our last excuse. Verse 13. Look what it says. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Moses is at the end now. Literally, anybody but me, Lord. That's the excuse. Lord, anybody else but me. This is the fear of the one who is called by God. Some of us just simply have the fear that God will tap on our shoulder and ask us of something. And his response now is, Lord, anybody but me. Anybody but me. And now, notice God's response here. Verse 14, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people and he himself shall be the mouth, be as a mouth for you and you shall be to him as God and you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. Notice, Moses is God's chosen instrument, but Aaron is God's concession. God gets angry at Moses, and he finally says, look, your brother Aaron's coming. I'm going to use Aaron too. But if you read the book of Exodus, and I pray that you track along with us in the coming weeks and months, you're going to find that Aaron was a big source of problem for Moses. Aaron instigated the worship of the golden calf in Exodus 32. Aaron's sons blasphemed God with an impure offering, Nadab and Abihu. You'll read about that in Leviticus chapter 10. And Aaron also openly led a mutiny against Moses in Numbers chapter 12. Finally, when a person who is God's child is just like, Lord, anyone but me, God gets upset. And it's not an unrighteous upset. God just knows that you're not pressing in to the person he created you to be. And God is a God of truth. And you know what? Any parent loves their child enough to get angry with them when they're not fulfilling their potential. Doesn't mean you beat them. Doesn't mean you ground them forever. 
doesn't mean you verbally lash them, but you love them enough to say, God, is, there's so much opportunity here and you are just not willing to step up. And that's God's response to him. He's upset with Moses because he's like, there is so much I want to do in and through you, so I'll let Aaron be a part of this too. And you know what, brothers and sisters? I just want to close with this exhortation. I believe God wants to use each one of us uniquely. You know, sometimes we think about the calling of God, you just think it's about like to be doing what I or Pastor Bill do. God's called all of us to a ministry. We are all the body. The body. Pastor Bill and I are the mouth. That's what we do. And you're like, yeah, Pastor, you are a little mouthy. Let's be honest. But like, can you imagine if the whole body was, was mouths? I mean, talk about a headache, you know? But like, where are the hands? Where are the feet? Where are the knees and the cartilage? The kidneys, thank God for bowels. You know, the, the body is one body, but many members. And brothers and sisters, what I want to encourage you to do is that if you and I are not trusting God and stopping making excuses and stepping in to the calling we have, we actually cause the body to suffer. I've always said it to people. They're like, yeah, you know, I just, it's hard to get to church. I'm like, I said to him one time, I was talking to this guy. He's like, yeah, I only make it to church just like every once in a while and I miss ministries and stuff. And and I'm like, yeah, that's a bummer, isn't it? And he's like, well, I'm like, well, what would you say if I told you that I just got slept in and didn't come to church when I was supposed to preach? He's like, oh, that'd be really, really bad. And I'm like, look, we could all do a day without talking. There's a lot of other parts of the body we can't live without. And he was like, oh, you know? Because listen, I could go for a day in silence. But if your legs just didn't show up, if your eyesight just didn't show up one day, if you couldn't swallow a whole day, forced fasting, no fun. Brothers and sisters, God has called all of us, all of us, every single one of us, no matter where we've been, no matter where we've come from, no matter where we are, God has called all of us. And brothers and sisters, let's stop making excuses. Who am I? Who are you? What if they reject me? I don't have any gifts and God just anybody me. Let's just stop. John Wooden, the great basketball coach, used to say, listen, no whining, no complaining, and no excuses. And I almost want to put that on the church sign outside. No whining, no complaining, and no excuses. You know why we shouldn't whine, we shouldn't complain? I don't think anyone's whining or complaining, but the excuse one, that's what we're focused on. Do you know why we make excuses? Because we're focused on ourselves and not on the God who wants to use us. And brothers and sisters, I believe if all of us, all of God's people were to step into God's calling there'd be a revolution of love in this world unlike anything anyone's ever seen. But it's not going to happen while we're making excuses so we don't get on the plane. So let's stop making excuses. Let's step out boldly in faith and see what God's up to. Do the things he's called you to. Be bold. Don't be afraid. God is with you. Jesus is Moses thought he wouldn't have the words to motivate the people. He thought they wouldn't believe him. But as Pastor Daniel shared today, God will give us the gifting we need in order to do what he wants us to do. Whatever your failings, he overcomes them. It's our joy to bring you Jesus is Real Radio each day here on this station. 
we want to give you the opportunity to partner with us here at Jesus is Real Radio so we can bring the ministry to as many people as possible. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you can help spread God's Word by becoming a monthly supporter or by giving a one-time gift. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when we'll hear what it means to have a hardened heart. Pharaoh is described as having a hardened heart. We can let our hearts become calloused in the same way. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series entitled The Passover. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.